Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sample Size, the only news podcast that cares about science. I'm your host, Samantha Spears. And I'm your other host, Wildcard Cameron. So, Sam, it seems like nothing eventful has happened at all since 2021 has kicked off. What's going on? I don't know why you say that like we haven't had episodes in 2021. I don't know how to start this show after. Oh, wait, I know what I should do. Thank you, literally every human being on this planet who has gone out of their way to give us feedback or leave us like a nice recommendation or a five star review or anything you've done to get the show out there because we're trying real hard to make science not only like relevant to the news, but also interesting because I feel like the entire point of this podcast is like the news is really bad at appropriately portraying (laughs) science. So we're trying to do our little part to help make sense of the very bad science representation in the news. Yes, we're trying to use our expertise to make the news more informed. Yes, that makes sense. That was very (laughs) eloquently put. (laughs) To make the listeners more informed. All right. Well, Let's get back to the episode. We're going back to coronavirus because, you know, unfortunately, this pandemic is still happening. But for this episode, we're going to focus on the emerging variants of the virus, including what is a variant, where are they emerging, and should we be worried? Variants. Do they know things? Let's find out. (laughs) Okay. So first... What is a variant? A variant is a mutated version of a virus. It's genetically different from the main virus, but not enough to be called a different strain. So you have the main strain of a virus, and over time, different variants of that strain will emerge, still looking and acting enough like the main strain to be grouped with it. But if there becomes, like, enough differences to make it very different from the main virus, then it becomes a new strain. And if you can't tell, this is like all nomenclature. This is just how biology likes to classify things. I think it's like my brother. Like my brother and I are very similar. If you like to ask, you'd be like, yeah, that's that's Cameron's brother. You know, even though it's actually just me the whole time. I was playing a trick on you. Wait, what? We're so similar (laughs) that we are the same, right? We came from the same source. We technically have the same genetic makeup as each other because the source of our parents are the same. But there is enough difference between us that we are annoying in different ways. Yes, you are not exact genetic copies of each other, but you are similar genetically. Yes. <laughs> this is as a opposed, stretched metaphor. As opposed to twins, which would be genetic copies. I didn't want to say twins because that would literally be just the same person twice. Identical, yeah. Yes, identical twins. Fraternal twins fall into the same category as me and my brother. Yes. All right. But you know what? That's that was that's a good, a good example. You can thank me for it. You're welcome. All right. Thank you, Cameron. Oh, my back hurts from carrying this podcast. All right. Now, variants of a virus are actually very common. Viruses constantly change through mutation, so new variants emerge and disappear over time. And a big example of this is the flu. Like, the flu mutates or drifts constantly, which is why we have yearly changes to the flu vaccine. Yes, I figured you're going to get into this, but like the 1920 flu pandemic, the the last pandemic that humanity saw before this one, we technically still live with it to this day every flu season because every so often like people were so bad at catching it when it happened that changed so much that there was no way for them to create one specific vaccine that solved all the mutations. So people are pretty sure that if you look at, I don't know what the genetic genealogy is for viruses, like the way of being able to track viruses mutations back to like the original virus they came from. Oh, yeah, you do, like, you basically backtrack it. Yeah, like ancestry, but for killing people with disease. So (laughs) 
if you look at it, there's a lot of scientists who suggest that this is the same virus we've been living with this whole time. And we really don't want that to happen with coronavirus. <laughs> no, exactly. We don't want to happen with coronavirus. So I guess that's a perfect transition to what does this have to do with the pandemic? Well, several variants of the virus that causes COVID-19 have started emerging. There's really three big ones going around. The main one is the UK variant, which you got to stay with me here. It's called VOC 2020-12-01 or B.1.1.7 because, you know. B.1.1.7. Is that like an IP address? <laughs> it's kind of like an IP address for, for a virus. But just to relate to what we were talking about before, the main virus causing COVID-19 is called the SARS-CoV-2. And the UK variant is called the VOC or variant of concern 2020-12-01, which the 2020-12-01 is related to the date when it was identified. So, again, this is all just crazy nomenclature. Yeah, so, it's 2020. That's the year. 12-01 is December 1st. Yes. Okay. What a terror. I'm sure this, like, <laughs> makes more sense, like, in the show notes where it's, like, text. But just saying it out loud, it just sounds like obnoxious word soup, and I hate it. I have to say, when researching for this, I was like, who came up with how these viruses are named? Like, who developed this system? And then I had to look it back at myself because I'm like, you know what? If I was in charge of naming a system, it would probably probably be something like this. It would just be dumb numbers and like letters and just a random system that makes no sense when talking about it. But, you know, in a spreadsheet, it looks good. I mean, it's better than the shorthand we use for COVID, which is COVID-19. It's just like coronavirus 19. Yeah. All right. Let's let's get into this before we spend more time making fun of scientists jobs. <laughs> All right. So back to the UK variant. That's what I'm going to keep calling it because that's way easier to say. So the UK variant began emerging in Southeast England last fall, and it caused a surge in cases that led to lockdown restrictions in the UK and travel restrictions that other countries put in place. Now, this new variant is more contagious than the mainstream, and some scientists have estimated that it could be up to 70 percent more effective at spreading. But the important thing is they've found it in the UK. But are they sure it started in the UK? There's some debate on that. Scientists are still looking into it. OK, that's fair. But it was definitely discovered in the UK first. Okay. And that's why it's called the UK variant, shorthand-wise. But also, if I recall, there was a lot of lag time there between when it came into existence and when they figured out this variant existed, right? I don't know what you mean. Like, there was lag time in terms of by the time you figure out there is this variant of the coronavirus, where this entire time you thought it was just like regular old coronavirus, it spread around. Like, other people caught it. Okay, I see what you mean. Yes. So, when the variant was discovered, there was already a good number of people who had caught this variant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't like they found it in one person. And that's kind of an issue when, you know, you have a pandemic is that you're not going to be testing the genetic sequences of everyone that tests positive. That's going to come much later. That's not going to be the instant like, oh, you have coronavirus. You're not going to also be like, oh, and there's the genetic makeup of the specific virus you have. Yeah, you're not going to do like a bond for bond analysis. Yeah. Let's get back to the UK variant and how it is more contagious than the main strain. This is because some of the mutations are in the virus's spike protein. So if you've seen a picture of 
the SARS-CoV-2 virus. The coronavirus. It looks like a ball with these spikes sticking out of it. And those spikes are the spike protein and are actually what coronaviruses are named after because corona is kind of like a crown hat. Yeah, every time I drink a corona, I feel a sharp pain sensation as well. (laughs) I don't know why that joke got me so much. Because you're an alcoholic. (laughs) There's a dark lore to this podcast. If you've been paying attention, you All read right. a whole like mystery novel around it. <laughs> All right. So whatever these exact mutations are, it appears to have given the new variant some kind of biological advantage to spread faster. And scientists are still studying this. So I definitely don't have the exact answer. But some theories are that it could produce a larger viral load or make a person infected quickly after exposure or make people infectious for longer. All of these things that would make the virus easier to pass on. So I've actually seen NPR. First of all, NPR's Instagram is lit. Anyway, they had a bunch of stuff about why this coronavirus is distinctly different. And I love that they use this analogy of Lego blocks. So like the spikes themselves are like Lego blocks that can fit onto the basically like the pegs, the Lego pegs that are on your cell. Mm -hmm. And the last one, it had like individual Lego blocks. So like it could like attach, but wasn't super great at it. This one is like a two-by-one Lego block. Instead of being a one-by-one Lego block, it's a two-by-one. This is a very good metaphor. You can at me. All right. And it's Because it's two-by-one, it is is able to stick on that be- much better. It fits better into the protein receptor on the human cell that would allow it to attack the human cell. Yeah, basically the spike proteins can stick better onto the cells in our body. Exactly. And that's also part of why it's a problem, because the spike proteins are part of how your body figures out what the coronavirus is. And so if they're too different, then your body's ability to figure out what the coronavirus is for this specific coronavirus doesn't work. You give me a look like I just gave away the ghost. (laughs) Spoilers. We're not there yet. Oh, my goodness. Okay. (laughs) We are going to get to that later in the episode. Okay, that's good. I'll I'll put that back in my pocket. (laughs) We'll cover that very soon. But before we do that, let me just go over the two other variants that have emerged because the UK variant isn't the only COVID-19 variant. So in early October, there was another one called B.1.351. This one was found. I will pay you to stop giving me the names (laughs) of these variants. (laughs) This was found in South Africa. And in early January, there was a variant called P.1, much better name, that was detected in an airport in Japan from testing four passengers who came from Brazil. So all of these variants have been detected in the U.S. The U.K. variant in particular has been found in India, Japan, Australia, several countries in South America, and several countries in Europe. And just recently, it was found in a family in New Zealand, which has been COVID-19-free for like a few months. So the Auckland area is now in a strict three-day lockdown because of it. Oof. I mean, this is the problem is like you described to me a bunch of cases where like they found it in people that definitely traveled. Yeah. Which means that it could be on multiple continents and it could be in the source and destination. But even crazier is the fact that they found it in New Zealand makes me a little concerned that maybe the typical screening methods they would use to check for this beforehand aren't as effective. Because I thought when you went to New Zealand, you literally had to stay in 
quarantine. Like they forced you to quarantine before you could actually enter the country. I'm not sure. That may be true. And I can't remember the story if like if the family had traveled recently or not. Okay. And that's the other problem with any, not any virus, but especially this virus is like the detection lag where you can be asymptomatic for a while, but still be contagious. Yeah. And I want to point out how New Zealand, they're going into a strict lockdown because that's what they did initially with the coronavirus and it worked. They became COVID free because they had a very strict lockdown condition. So they're kind of repeating the same thing, hopefully to squash out any kind of spread of this new entry. It also helps that they're an island fortress at the bottom of the world. So, you know, yeah, not a lot of people are focused on going through there. That's typically the destination. Convenient placement. All right. So we've covered what a variant is and what are these new variants that are emerging. But now the big question, should we be worried? Yes. See, I say maybe, probably not. I say yes, because, and hear me out, we didn't worry before and things got bad and continue to be bad. So maybe, guys, we we should start worrying. Maybe if we start (laughs) worrying now, we could do something about it and make sure that they are not as effective as the original coronavirus. So we're not contending with four different coronaviruses at once. Okay, you're right. In that lens, yes, we should be worried. But how about in a over the existing virus out there, like over the mainstream strain. Yeah, I think the best thing that you've told me out of all of this is it is a sibling to the other coronavirus, much like my excellent brother metaphor. We know how to deal with Camerons, which means we probably know how to deal with his brother as well. Yes, and let me get into that. So first, some of the concerns over these variants is that there is evidence like the UK variant, it spreads more than the wild variant. And there's some data, it may actually be more deadly, which the CDC is reviewing that data right now. But again, why I say maybe, it's because variants are common for viruses and actually for this virus. So the World Health Organization just recently released info on an investigation they're doing into the origins of the outbreak. And they found over a dozen variants from blood samples of patients in December 2019 in Wuhan. Okay. I mean, that's both reassuring and horrifying at the same time, because it means that, like, we should just expect it to mutate pretty frequently. Like, that's just in Wuhan, even though that was kind of the epicenter of all this. Yeah, and that was the beginning. So Mm -hmm. that seems like there were a bunch of variants going around the beginning that may have singled out into a main one that was spreading around. But again, this just happens with viruses. Variants are going to pop up. Real survival of the fittest situation. But then it's also again a case of we know what the virus is like at this point. We've unfortunately, you would think humanity would be better at this, but we've <laughs> been dealing with this virus for on a full scale lockdown set scenario a year now. So we know what we should be doing to cope with, if not eradicate this virus. And we just need to do it. And that's really the big point is as you keep mentioning of how these variants are like siblings, is that we know the procedures for containing this pandemic. Like we we know what we need to do and they're ramping up and like vaccines are ramping up and I'll get into vaccine info. But again, if we stop the pandemic, these variants won't be an issue. Yeah. And actually, now I'm really curious to hear how vaccines play into this, because like I said, your body has a very specific way of figuring out when something is a viral threat and then eradicating it. And so if these are different enough, even though they are siblings, will 
will these vaccines, will these different ways we've come to fight the virus still be effective? Yes. So the evidence is looking like right now, because, again, the story is ever evolving. (laughs) Who knows what will happen after more research? It's like the later Dragon Ball Z episodes. It's just like every single (laughs) new episode is a new Dragon Ball evolution, Super Saiyan, Ultra Instinct, whatever, COVID-19. All right. But as of the current studies, yes, the vaccines are effective against these new variants. So... I mentioned before, these variants, they have mutations to those spike proteins, which are all over the virus. And those are the things that will latch on to the cells, like human cells, and actually infect your body. Like that's how the virus gets into cells and starts making more viruses and bad things happen. All right. The genetic makeup of the spike protein is what is used in these vaccines in order to trigger your body to create antibodies to specifically search out these things. So because of that, some people have had the same question of, oh, no, are these vaccines going to actually work because there are mutations to these spike proteins? Yeah, well, my body identified this Lego brick as being as dangerous as that Lego brick. Yes. And fortunately, the variants don't seem to have such severe mutations that they are causing a problem for the vaccines. So there were some scientists from BioNTech and Pfizer that published a not-year-peer-reviewed research where they tested the blood of some of the vaccine trial participants and found that the antibodies were just as effective against the mainstream as the UK variant. And there's also been some other research that the vaccines may be less effective against the South African variant, but even if so, like less effective, that still means it'll help. Yeah, like this, these vaccines are still impressively more effective than the vaccines we typically use to fight the everyday flu. So and just more effective than what the benchmark was like the FDA benchmark was 50 percent. These are getting in the high 90s. Like it's yeah. extremely impressive. Which makes me wonder what less effective really means. Is it like 80 percent? Is it 60 percent? Is it 20? There's a lot of homework to do. Yeah. And that's kind of my point. So really, the most important thing to do is to continue to get people vaccinated because this won't be a problem once enough people are vaccinated. And we have herd immunity, which has been like the key word of my life. (laughs) Everyone I talk to has been talking about herd immunity. We've done so many episodes on herd immunity, on other concerns around. We literally said this exact like this exact problem, like not even 10 months ago. We did an episode about this. Is the virus going to mutate? Is it going to do all like we have not to mention the mink story? Oh, my God. (laughs) We called this. Just go look at every single (laughs) episode of our podcast that has to do with coronavirus. We did the homework for you. Go smack a congressman in the face with our podcast podcast and say, these people told you so. You, If you know a congressperson and they are not insane, go talk to them. And if they are insane, maybe question if we should vote for them. Right. Without getting too political. All right. It sounds like we're winding down. Where can I find those good, good notes? You can find them in the show notes. And I want to, again, remind everyone that the research is still emerging and scientists are currently studying everything. So as soon as I find out more, I will report it. Yeah. So don't worry. This podcast will still exist because we'll have (laughs) plenty of more science stories in addition to coronavirus stories to touch on. A big thanks, as always, to Scott for making this podcast sound great. And a big thanks to all of you for listening and sharing and doing all you do to make sure other people enjoy this podcast as much as you do. Yes. And I want to end on everyone, please stay safe, keep socially distancing and wearing masks. And if you're able to, please get one of the vaccines. And don't forget to take care of yourself. And if you can, someone else. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bye.